Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Craig Morris. Craig is the director of the USDA ARS Western Wheat Quality Lab in Pullman. The mission of the lab is to conduct cooperative investigations with breeders, geneticists, and pathologists to evaluate the milling and baking quality characteristics of wheat selections produced each year. To conduct basic research into the biochemical and genetic basis of wheat quality, and to develop new and better means to assess the quality of potential wheat cultivars. Hello, Craig. Hey, Drew. So uh, I think a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with the major uh, classes of wheat that we grow here in Washington, but they may not be aware of some of the, the minor classes. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about some of these minor classes, what they are and what maybe they're used for. Absolutely. Um, I'll make everybody grimace if I said commodity wheat is our bread and butter. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and, and that will always be the case because really, um, to a great extent, Washington State and the PNW um, needs to help feed the world. And you do that through uh, efficient, low-cost production of, of very large quantities of wheat, most of which is exported. But we also like to try to bring some added value to the wheat, um, I call it portfolio. And one way we do that is by trying to alter either the properties or the composition or the sort of almost like the milling and baking or processing properties of wheat. And so um, what I'd like to tell you today is one type of wheat that we've uh, developed, and it's, it's called waxy wheat. Now, um, right at the outset, has nothing to do with wax. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Strange it's, name then. <laughs> it's, a, it's a moniker that was uh, uh, picked up from years and decades and decades ago when the trait was first uh, observed in corn. And the kernels, the corn kernels actually had a bit of a waxy candle wax appearance. And so eh, that's what it became named as is waxy. And we can have waxy barley. I think probably some of the listeners out there may have encountered or at least heard of waxy barley. We certainly have waxy corn. Um, it's a very important ingredient, waxy corn starch for the food industry. But we can also have waxy wheat. And the short description of waxy cereals in general is it has different composition of its starch. And that difference in composition has a profound effect on not only how it processes, but what we can make out of it. Okay. That is the sound of waxy wheat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, no, all kidding aside, I brought uh, to the microphone today um, a sample of waxy wheat that was developed uh, in collaboration with the Kellogg's company over several decades of, of research and working together on bringing this very unique type of wheat to the marketplace. Okay. And... What's the snitch in the marketplace? <laughs> I, I haven't heard of this. So yeah. what do we have here? So, so what you heard was a sort of a small single serve um, container of, of probably what most people would recognize as a, as a breakfast cereal. 
Um, let me just turn this around. And it's the, the, the salient feature of this cereal is that it's made with completely waxy grains. And not just waxy wheat, but waxy whole grain barley, whole grain wheat, whole grain corn, whole grain grain sorghum, which we don't run into very much, certainly out here in the Pacific Northwest, and then a little bit of a, a sweetener and what we now call both prebiotics and probiotics. And what you can think of that is basically yogurt cultures and fiber that makes your lower bowel happy. <laughs> oh, okay. So all these different grains have, uh, have a modified or changed uh, starch composition. Exactly. And, and what what quality does that give the product then? So if you think about, uh, well, it, it allows the starch to, to process and, and basically puff. And what we mean by puff, um, if you think about a Cheeto versus something that's very dense and hard and maybe even flinty or brittle, you don't have that ability to basically put a lot of air in something, right? Okay. And so if you think of that Cheeto um, analogy, on a somewhat smaller level, in this case, you've got individual grains of barley, wheat, corn, sorghum. Uh, those all puff nevertheless. And the nice thing about this is you can use whole grain. So you've got all the fiber and nutrients in the whole grain. And it's got a delightful texture. And that's what probably the biggest thing, the puffing and the texture is what waxy cereals, including waxy wheat and barley, uh, will do for you. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. So... Why should uh, Eastern Washington wheat growers be interested in that? Is there, is there a big market for this or is it you learn something by working with waxy wheat that's transferable to the commodity wheat you spoke about earlier? Yeah, probably not so much the commodity uh, um, market, but it is something where we would like to bring um, particularly novel, high value grains, and in this case, wheat. Uh, both to the food processor and to the consumer. And so they're certainly waxy wheat is not going to take over eastern Washington by any means. I can't even tell you probably how many acres it will end up being. But nevertheless, whether it's, you know, 100 acres or 10,000 acres, um, it brings another high value cereal to the uh, wheat portfolio, as I like to call it. Agronomically, you know, you use the same planter, you use the same production practices, you use the same combine, everything else. And so it's, it's a way to add on to maybe your low cost efficient commodity wheat with something that's actually quite novel and, and higher value. And so if we can start there and then progressively add more types of, of novel wheats, if you will, um, I think it's healthy for the industry and good for growers, it's good for consumers, good for everybody. And Eastern Washington gets recognized in an area where you can come to buy several different things, not just soft white absolutely, wheat. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, do we have some cultivars or varieties available today of waxy wheat? Uh, and who who's breeding these wheats? Is yeah. It, is it yeah, you yeah. or is it uh, <laughs> one of the uh, breeders here at Washington State University? Or? Sure, sure. Um, and so the the. Waxy wheat variety in this particular product is a variety called Waxy Pen. And that was a variety I developed quite a long time ago. It was the first waxy wheat variety uh, registered in the United States. Okay. Um, and for the, the listeners that are a little bit long in the tooth, if they remember an old spring wheat variety called Penawawa, it's actually a waxy derivative of Penawawa. Okay. Uh, 
along that theme, uh, a much newer variety, uh, maybe more listeners would recognize, is the variety Alpawa. And I also have a waxy version of Alpawa that was just approved for release, um, and it's going to be called USDA Lori. And so that's under uh, foundation seed increase, and so that should be coming out here in the next year or so. What what kind of do you have plans for future work in waxy wheat? Uh, do you have the perfect waxy wheat <laughs> now, or is there some other changes that can be made to make it yeah. more amenable to what the marketplace is looking for? Or you, you think you got it now? You know what they want. Well, from that standpoint, it's a lot like breeding commodity wheat. Um, in this case you need that unique starch. But after that, you still need stripe rust resistance. You still need higher grain yield. You still need all the other things that goes into making a cultivar with growers, you know, popular. And so that'll be the big leap from going from this Penawawa derivative to this Alpawa derivative. Um, we've, uh, with Dr. Mike Pumphrey, we've already started making crosses, crosses into his latest uh, Seahawk and Ryan. And so we want to try to keep, keep up with the game. Uh, we also recognize that even though it was, for, from our standpoint, it was somewhat easier to start in spring wheat, really winter wheats dominate eastern Washington. So uh, several years ago, we started working with Dr. Aaron Carter to breed this waxy starch trait into soft white winter varieties. And he's got some material in advanced yield trials that are looking quite good. Okay. So uh, waxy wheats, one thing you've worked on, I know we've talked in a previous uh, podcast about, <laughs> about your soft durums. Sure. Any other fun, unique <laughs> things you're working on the, here in the Western Wheat Quality Lab? Well, I think one of the ones, one of the subjects that's getting a lot of attention here in this past year is uh, the recognition that uh, Dr. Pumphrey's new spring wheat, Ryan, is very good for Japanese udon noodles. It was not developed as a, quote, noodle wheat. Uh, it was developed as a high-quality, uh, soft white cookies, cakes, pastry wheat. Um, but uh, there's a couple of specific traits that lend themselves to really high quality udon noodles. And so the, the sort of the activities right now are centered around uh, sending samples to East Asia, trying to get feedback from the big flour mills and other noodle processors, and then kind of really figuring out, envisioning how will we be able to segregate that, deliver a high quality product to the market, capture value for the growers, you know, really throughout the whole supply chain. Okay. <laughs> it's always something fun to talk about when you come on the podcast, Craig. Thanks, Thanks. for sharing uh, Waxy Wheat for it with us. Uh, I, I will keep it. Where did you get this uh, sample? Is it go down to your local Safeway or Rose Hours? Or? It is. I, I, I noticed it is in Safeway here a couple of weeks ago. You can get it on Amazon and you can get it uh, through Costco. I, and I absolutely should give the USDA disclaimer that we are not promoting or advocating any commercial <laughs> product. So. But anyway, I'm going to leave this with you. You can take it home and, and right. give your listeners a, a report on it sometime. Thank you very much, Craig. Enjoyed having you on today. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter 
at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time.